KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. The Sunday before Ibrahim, Yernor, and Elia left Tijuana, they celebrated with a big departure feast. They wanted lamb for their feast, but I just couldn't find any. So they got some decent beef ribs and other cuts of beef on their own. Ibrahim, the in-house Uzbeki chef, prepared plov. That's a rice dish found all over Eurasia, made with five veggies like carrots and onions, and obviously with a protein. Usually done with lamb, but this Tijuana version used beef ribs instead. It was braised and slowly cooked with stock and other spices like cardamom, bay leaves, and cinnamon. A simple salad was served on the side. It was a Mexican-Eurasian culinary exchange. Oh, uh, wait. We had dinner and drinks, and I had them enjoy some Mexican candies that I brought for the guys to sample. Important topics like the state of the legendary Golovkin versus Canelo bouts were discussed. Banter and half-understood jokes moved from one side of the room to the other. Some of them stepped outside the balcony for a smoke and for a call home. You could see the U.S. border from the balcony. The U.S. border was right there, almost a hand's reach away. Pause it. <sighs> Luca, I got a confession. What is it, Julio? I feel kind of guilty. Why do you say that? Well, this episode doesn't exactly fit with the theme of our season. You know, food and migration. Uh-huh. In fact, it's a stretch. I mean, there's no chef or cook from afar with a restaurant that stayed in Baja and has had an impact on the culinary landscape of the region. I mean, there's a chef and cook, yes, and he's a migrant, yes, but I guess didn't want to share too much of his life due to the nature of his journey, you know? Yeah. And I also feel kind of guilty not notifying Alan and Natalie ahead of time that they were kind of going to have to sit this one out. Alan, I'm not just... Our schedules didn't pan out for the field taping this time. Natalie had her upcoming theater presentations and Alan touring with his band, Tulengua. There was so much I could do and... I kind of felt dishonest in writing for their voices if neither of them was able to make it to the taping. So I just thought we'd do a producer's takeover. Julio, Julio, Alan and Nat just... It's just you and me, buddy. Sorry, were you going to say something? Alan and Natalia are here. They just arrived. Hello. Come on, let's... Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? Sorry, I'm a little late. Border was crazy? Yeah, it was pretty crazy today, man. So where is the script, Julio? Where's the script, dude? Um, there's no script for you guys this time. It's uh, me and Luca hosting today. <laughs> Julio, this is not cool, dude. I have to cancel Tulengo band practice for this, dude. We all make sacrifices. Guys, guys, dude, guys, seriously, guys, I had to cross the border for these men. Like, dude, I haven't eaten in four hours. Like, guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What's wrong with you? Oh, from KPBS and PRX, this is Port of Hit me with a new beat, Luca. From KPBS and PRX, this is Port of Entry, where we tell cross-border stories that connect us. I'm Julio Tisfranco. And I'm Luca Vega. This is Producers Takeover. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, 
healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. From KPBS, you're listening to Port of Entry. The day I first met Yednur and Ibrahim in Tijuana, two of their bunkmates were about to take off and try their luck crossing the border through the desert in Mexicali. They were in a special hurry as Title 42, the Remain in Mexico policy, was expiring, and they had no idea what impact that would make on their particular asylum request. Huh? Where are you from? They were all staying at one of my friend's Airbnb turned hostels in one of Tijuana's newest high rises. The Airbnb overlooks Tijuana and the San Diego Bay. The view stretches from downtown Tijuana all the way up north to Point Loma in San Diego. You can actually see the lighthouse from here. Many of the men would step to the balcony for a smoke and just contemplate the view. I asked Eliar, a Russian Uyghur, what he thought when he looked at the U.S. border. So close, he said in a thick Russian accent. Yednur, Eliar, and Ibrahim are part of a sizable group of Eurasian migrants who have flocked to the northern cities of Mexico in recent months to seek asylum in the U.S. after the conflict between Russia and Ukraine erupted. Just hours ago, Russian forces began their attack. You can see three people here just being arrested. Uh, It seems Russians are also getting priority in receiving asylum. Many of them have to await the Mexico. While neither Ibrahim or Yerner were directly affected by the conflict, they ended up here in Tijuana trying to seek asylum. As for the rest of the hostel guests, draft dodgers, political dissidents, and according to word around the hostel, maybe one or two of them were escaping Russian justice and were just trying to use the conflict as a ticket to a new start in the States. Hello. Enter my good friend Gabo, the property owner who rented out his Airbnb to these migrants. Everyone was grateful to him for being such an attentive and gracious host. A testament to that was that he gave each of the departing two a coat to stay warm during their trek across the border. I got a group from Russia, you know, a couple of guys, and they kind of told me what their situation was. And there were more people coming, and I told them, well, bring your friend over, you know, and then that guy brought his other friend over. (laughs) And next thing you knew, I had an apartment full of people from Russia and Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan and... And everybody with the same goal, no, to ask for asylum to enter the U.S. That night, when we first met, it was another departure feast. The Russians who were staying back prepared a special dinner for the departing two. It seemed to be a sort of way to fare them well in the next crucial part of their journey. The dish was nothing special that time, just salad over lightly sauced pasta. It was the first time I broke bread with any of them. Ah, señor, excelente. That dinner was also prepared and served by Ibrahim, the Russian-Uzbekistani chef from Moscow. He migrated to Russia from Uzbekistan 20 years ago in search of a better life. Uh, my name is Ibrahim. Uh, I'm, yes, родом с Узбекистана, но почти 20 лет жил в России, Москве. He's from Uzbekistan, but he lived uh, in Russia for the last 20 years. My conversations with Ibrahim were all shrouded in mystery. It is unclear to us why he left Russia. Uh, By certain circumstances that he cannot tell, he had to leave. So they made him to leave. So there was pressure from powerful people? Yes, So, but (laughs) he he doesn't want to get into it. That's Yerner interpreting, by the way. He was my impromptu translator. 
What became clear to me was that Ibrahim found himself in a sticky situation that forced him out of Russia. He never revealed what those reasons were. Parents doesn't know that he left. I didn't know that they don't know. The only ones is his wife and his close friend, that's all. My suspicion was that it was not the government that went after him. It kind of reminded me of the time a close friend from Tijuana got into a hot situation with a small fry narco bus over some girl. My friend skipped town to LA never to come back. Maybe Ibrahim got into some money problems with some shady people? We just don't know. He's that kind of person that uh, he solves his problems first, then he talks about them. So he didn't tell anybody except that two person, and he just left. He wants to get to states, figure out all his stuff, and then tell everyone that he left and that he's bringing his wife and son. When it came time to eat, Gabriel and I had our own individual plate to eat our meal. The Eurasian Russians, on the other hand, all shared a single big plate from which they ate from. It was quite peculiar. Trying to break the ice, I asked if they had already tried tacos. They said yes, and then I asked what was their favorite. To which the reply, that they only had asada, that steak, because they were all Muslim, and the other options were pork or just beef cooked in lard. So I couldn't help but tell them about barbacoa, which is a traditional Mexican 12-hour slow-cooked lamb in a pit. And I knew a great spot. I asked them if they were down to try it. They said yes. I mean, they didn't have much on their agenda but to wait for their appointment date. So it was on for the following Tuesday. I called up Natalie and Alan to join me on the day of the taping, but... What's up, Nat? Hey, este... So, can you come? Way sorry, I couldn't make it. I got rehearsals. I debuted less than a month. But you're coming, right? To my play? Alan, dude, I know I can always count on you, right? Ah, uh, dude, I can. I work in the morning. Sorry, you know I have my 9 to 5. Luca, down to go? Barbacoa? Of course. Luca, the sound operator and sound designer of this project, and the Mozart behind the keys, is my trusty road dog. So, next Tuesday? Next Tuesday morning. Okay, I'll be there. Don't fail me, please. <laughs> yeah, sure, no worries. All right, let's go, gentlemen. You boil with like... Fast forward, Tuesday rolls around. Time to take the stands up. I mean, they were all from the former Soviet states that end in Stan. Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and some random dude from Azerbaijan. As we were waiting for the Ubers, Yerner broke some good news to us. He and Ibrahim managed to finally get an asylum appointment through the CBP app. Ibrahim here in Otay and Yerner in Nuevo Laredo, Texas. Uh, they want to go to spices, yeah. okay. get spices, get meat. And after a long drive through the city, we were at Martinez eating barbacoa. <laughs> Martinez Barbacoa is a pop-up eatery at the Tuesday Street Market in my old neighborhood of Otay. From the outside, it looks like a fort put together by two kids. Three big tables flanked by multicolored tarps with serving stations filled with salsas and freshly cut onion cilantro and limes. Where to sit? Basically wherever you can find an empty spot. At the entrance of the pop-up, you are greeted by Martinez himself. With small lamb tacos to sample, 
he invites new customers to come in and try. Fáciles sin compromiso, tenemos de todo. Buena barbacoa de borrego, consomé calientito, taquitos de pancita, macicita, costillita, de todo. También de cabecita. It is impossible not to be overcome by the aroma of the cooked lamb, chiles, and fresh cut It kind of shields you from the cacophony of noises all around you. Martinez slamming his cleaver, vendors and locals haggling, and the unending caravan of karaoke singers bursting your eardrums for some spare change. Just like home, mentioned Elias slightly irritated with the shrieking singing of a woman with a colostomy bag hanging from her waist. We each gave her some spare change just to have her move her to the next stall. Anybody want to try the inner, the viscerals, the stomach? Okay. Y cinco de pancita. I had them each try Martinez's specialty. One spicy pancita taco, one rib taco, and a small serving of broth on the side. Pancita, by the way, are the innards of the lamb cooked inside of the stomach with chiles and other spices. It was a treat to see them enjoy Mexican barbacoa. It was even more of a treat to see them regret putting a bit too much salsa on their tacos. In the barbacoa, and uh, he's a little bit. Um, <laughs> they loved barbacoa. They loved it so much that they wanted to return the favor by cooking lamb for us to show what their cuisine was like. And just like that, the Eurasian Mexican Culinary Exchange was born. That's when I promised to get them the lamb. But as you already know, I couldn't quite make good on that promise. And just like that, well, the Eurasian Mexican Culinary Exchange fell to launch. Before we headed back to the hostel, we made a few pit stops around the street market. Stop one, the spy shop. Ibrahim wanted to get a few spices to use for their kitchen. Cinnamon sticks, star anise, cumin, cardamom, clove, flavors that according to Yernur, Ibrahim mentioned he missed cooking with. We kept walking as each of the guys checked out different shops, asking either me or Luca to translate for them. On the way back to the hostel, Yenad asked if I could drive him to a couple of places to run some errands. Hey, stop number one, where do we go? Kropi Center. Kropi Center. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. From KPBS, you are listening to Port of Entry. So what are we doing, Gavner? Can you describe? Uh, I have the documents, the confirmation of my date, which I'm going through the border, so I need to show them in the airport. They won't have questions for me mm-hmm. traveling inside Mexico. It's so complicated. As we ran these errands, Gernot started opening up and sharing the details of how he got in hot water. 
Why I am going by political asylum? In Kazakhstan, if you don't like anything by constitution, you have rights that you can go out, you can go to protest legally if you don't have guns or whatever, and you are not aggressive. You can stand wherever you want and say whatever you want, by law. But in fact, no. You can stand maximum a few minutes, then the authorities will see you and take you to the police station. And I had five of them. I mean, for the last three years, I've been five times. We have a group of people who are uh, against the corruption because... He was sharing all these stories while we were at a copy center trying to get all his documents in order. And can you ask her to redo this one? I sent her as a screenshot. The problem was too small, uh, isn't it? You want smaller or...? Uh, I want so I want the same way that you can see the time and everything. So okay. they won't think that it's fake okay. because some guys are... Yenar is a Kazakh migrant from Astana, the capital of Kazakhstan. He left his hometown after a political watchdog Instagram page he founded went viral. It goes without saying that, well, the local politicians did not take too kindly to his vigilance. They showed up at his son's pre-kindergarten school and made some veal threats that he just couldn't ignore. He left his wife and his four-year-old son back home. Oh, he's only four years old. He went to karate classes like for five months. He's just random jumping and being uh, active. Yeah, for his age, he's just like kind of a game, not like a sport. But he came. <laughs> you should have seen how he does his. Uh, how does it go? Crunches. Up crunches. <laughs> yeah, he makes it hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, my son is my soul. Given the emergency situation he found himself in, he didn't have time to do things the right way. He just had to skip town and figure things out later. He and his wife figure out a way to get him from Astana all the way to Tijuana. And spoilers, it was wildly complicated. Kazakh people apply to the embassy of Mexico in Turkey. There is no one in Kazakhstan. So for visa, I have to go to Turkey, first of all. Second of all, it was like one year and two months appointments. So if I, if I wanted to come to Mexico, I, I would be able to come only next year, in yes. February. And, uh, Just in case you didn't catch that, there is no Mexican embassy in Kazakhstan. The nearest embassy was Turkey's, and there were no appointments available in the next year and a half. And waiting just wasn't an option. So they were forced to look for other options until... I mean, there is no way coming here. But she read somewhere that there is a Amparo. Um, Yenu's wife came across a legal hack through a contact they made. People who entered Mexico without a visa with the intention to pass through to another destination could do so with an amparo. An amparo is a legal document that grants protection from civil or criminal procedure against the holder if the holder was accused of breaking a law, like entering Mexico without a visa. So Yerner and his wife found a way to travel freely through Mexico without being pestered by law enforcement. Okay, so we find out the, the guy who got here by the same way as I did now. Mm-hmm. And he said that the only legal way is come to Dominicana, Dominican Republic. From them, you fly to Nicaragua. In Nicaragua, you, from Nicaragua through Guatemala, you come to Mexico by bus. Okay. And he said that the only trouble in documents, the legal stuff, is in Mexico. To get the Emparo. So I flew. I flew to Dominican Republic by plane. I went to 
Nicaragua the same day. So from Nicaragua, it took me four days to get to South Mexico, Tapachula. So through Guatemala and the Ganduras, we we came to Tapachula. It was like three something, three thirty-five group of people who were going that way. Mostly, it's like Cuban, Cuban. Yernot was worried that his documentation was real. He understood the scrutiny his paperwork and passport would go through. His irregular status in Mexico made him double-check everything. It was like a difficult, but. He needed to travel all the way to Nuevo Laredo, Texas, for his asylum appointment, and needed to make sure that all his paperwork was in order. In Tapachua, we went to a lawyer, which made us an emperor, made me an emperor. Mm. So you should have shown him that you are going for political asylum by CBP. Mm. I explained everything to him. He made me documents, and I flew from Tusla because it's from Tapachua. It's difficult to fly out. Yes, I went to Tusla with the. Papers, migration was okay in the bus. I went to Tusla, and from Tusla I flew to Tijuana, and I came to Tijuana, rented the place in hostel, and started looking for a date on CBP. As we finished dinner that final Sunday, we stepped out onto the balcony to have a final smoke on this side of the border. It was getting late and close to Yerner's departure time. We all said our goodbyes and took off to the Tijuana airport. <laughs> Yernot felt uneasy as we were driving to the airport. He kept second-guessing the legitimacy of the Amparo. When I came here, I showed you my Amparo. Mm-hmm. Uh, its official lawyer came to the official like migration office, mm-hmm. and they gave me that paper. But uh, I've seen so many like things going wrong with people who came here that I, I couldn't rely on that paper. So when you said me that it's 100% good, I was like, oh... That, that took out a pain out of my ass. I mean, I, I can be, I am totally okay even with the date. Yeah, it, it, looks, it looks okay. Yeah, it but looks, to but, be sure. Yeah, I mean, to be sure, we're going to find out right now. <laughs> the drive to the Tijuana airport opened up a space where Yerner could tell me a bit more about his life. I mean, being stuck in a hostel with nine other guys you don't know, well, means that these sorts of things are often kept quiet. No one really opens up. How do you feel? Oh, excited. Just give me a minute. I'm texting my wife and mom. Record your corner. Yernet, of course, did not want to leave his family. But just like the thousands of Eurasians and Russians fleeing their home country due to circumstances beyond their control, sometimes you just have to be smart and leave to fight another day. I thought uh, when we were planning that uh, we, we won't see each other for one and a half months. Until they come, it will be total one and a half months. And my wife was saying that uh, it's just one and a half months. He won't change. He won't get any new habits. And I was, I was thinking so too. But I'm talking with him every day, and he always figures out something new. And he was like, "Oh, I'm not there with you." I mean, you see it only through the phone. Yeah. What does he say to you? Oh, well, a lot of stuff. He misses me. Like uh, when he comes to kindergarten, it's a new one. Like since I left. They moved too. So it's a new kindergarten and we were like a little scared that he would be uncomfortable. But he did, he did very good and every time when uh, my wife comes to take him from there, he, he explains his teacher that his father is working in another city. That's what we explain him. He says that my dad is far away working and I will see him soon. 
so he misses a lot and it makes me almost to cry <laughs> when he says that stuff the longest time that I haven't seen him in his whole life was seven days just want to meet my family uh, sniff them sniff well, uh, smell how you say when yeah, you smell a baby I mean child do you smell yeah it's child well, the um, aroma aroma yeah. of your child yeah you miss it <laughs> yeah very lot I don't even miss my wife so much like <laughs> what is uh what is the aroma how what is it yeah what, what does it remind you of like, something of? like childhood something very uh, white I mean light some it's like it feels like home I mean like when when you have a child in your room I mean we have uh, we have two bedroom apartment but he stays with us he sleeps in our bed and uh, when you sleep with your baby like for a, enough long time all room smells like him I mean in a good way <laughs> we wash him <laughs> Yerner dreams of the moment when he is reunited with his family we arrived at the airport Did you say your son's name is? Iskander. Iskander? Yes. Turkish name? Eastern. Eastern Turkish name. It's like Alexander, right? Yeah. They will. All right, let's rock and roll. Due to airport security, I eventually had to stop recording. After dropping him and making sure he made it through the immigration checkpoint, I bid him farewell. I haven't heard from him since. I just hope he made it safely and it's not too long before he gets to smell little Iskander's aroma again. This episode of Port of Entry was written and produced by Julio Cesar Ortiz Franco. Luca Vega is technical producer and sound designer. Adrian Villalobos is media production specialist. Alisa Barba is our editor. Lisa Morissette is director of audio programming and operations. And John Decker is senior director of content development. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This project was also made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit callhome.org. Soy Alan Lilienthal. Y yo soy Natalie González. Nos, Nos vemos, vemos pronto. KPBS On Demand is supported by Maracal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, Maracal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.